WYPR is here to keep you connected to your community. And as our communities change amid the coronavirus pandemic, that connection is more important than ever before. Member support makes it possible. And if you can, we hope you'll help us out. If you're a sustaining member, consider increasing your monthly pledge or become a new member with a first-time gift. Come to WYPR.org and click the donate link. And thanks. Hello, family. My name is Theo Hill, and welcome back to One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore, a podcast where I talk one-on-one with other folks just like me who are dealing with their own addiction and recovery. Today, uh, I would like to start a, a little process called recovery, and today's first tools would be um, what a group is. That lesson for the day is a group is a group of people, two or more, who come together to help each other and support each other. Okay, my guest for this episode is Mr. Rodney James. He's a peer recovery coach at St. Agnes Health Institution. Rodney, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Okay. Um, Mr. Rodney, can you tell me a little bit about your work as a peer recovery coach? Well, basically what I do is I, I, I'm a peer recovery coach, and what I do is I go in. When people come into the emergency room, um, morning treatment or overdosed, or come in for a medical condition and they uh, say yes to the substance use, then I go in and I talk with them to find out if there's a problem with their addiction and how I can help. And I go in and I, I, I ask a series of questions um, to find out where they are and how they feel about, you know, their use of substances. And generally, uh, most of them will try first to shoot me a, a fastball. Right. And, um, then I have to let them know that, hey, look, I'm just where you was. You know, just through the grace of God, I, I've been able to come on this side and I'm trying to help you get better with yourself as well. And we go on and uh, we exchange dialogues and, and if they say yeah to treatment then I'll go and I'll call a few treatment facilities to find out whether or not a bed's available and if a bed's available then I'll go ahead and make the transaction and then from that point on we'll lift them to that facility. That's fantastic. So that's what your average day is like oh, basically every day? That's okay. basically how it goes every day. Okay, fantastic. Fantastic. Um, can you take me back and tell me a little bit about yourself and your family and what life was like for you when you were young? I'm originally from South Carolina. I um, moved to Baltimore in 6061. Um, life was simple then. Uh, things were cheap. Uh, I didn't realize the, the severity or the significance of life because I was a child and everything was just provided for me. But as time went on, I started to grow and get get older and started doing different things. And life started to change. And then I moved from South Baltimore up to the Park Heights community. And from then, I started after school. We used to get people to go into the bar and get us a pint of wine, maybe Richards or Thunderbird. And we started out there, and it was just a weekend type thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And not knowing that me myself became addicted, would become addicted, I just continued to drink. And I began to like that feeling. 
And every time I drunk, I drunk to get to that feeling because the first time I really drunk some wine, I got drunk, I threw up, and I've been chasing that feeling ever since. And in chasing that feeling, man, um, I found out later that, well, I used to blame everything on my surroundings. Mm -hmm. You know, when I lose a job, I say it's because that wasn't for me. Um, uh, uh, those type things. Uh, I went to school. Um, it was always the teacher's fault. It was never my fault. But I kept seeing my habit become greater and greater. You know, my tolerance rose. And I began to want to do it twice a week, three times a week. And it ended up I was doing it every seven days a week. Right. And I started working for the city of Baltimore. And that was the first time that I ever understood what uh, 12-step programs were about. Um, they told me that I would have to go to a 12-step program because mm -hmm. I came to work right. and it, I was drunk. In order to keep your job. In order to keep my right. job. So, And that was around 1982. And so that's when I became first introduced to a 12-step program. And I didn't take it serious because it wasn't me, hey, man. I right. had no problem. I mean, These people, they just catch me when I'm, you know, ain't supposed to be. But I went on, man. Um, I come from a good family. Um, my mother worked hard. Um, I used to walk her to work. She used to do domestic work. She used to clean people's houses, right. man, and um, just to take care of us, you know. And um, she gave us what she could. So it wasn't like I, 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 I was missing anything at home, but it just seems like the grass was greener on the other side. It seemed like kids that had two parents, right? you know, were getting more stuff. And all that added to my drinking, and then, you know, it escalated and escalated through high school, through college, man, and uh, it cost me careers. Okay. So it progressed. The disease yeah. of addiction progressed. progressed. Okay. So what finally made you do something about your addiction? The first time, man, um, I was more or less sick and tired of me because mm -hmm. I couldn't, I could never get nothing and keep nothing. And when I say that, I mean jobs, uh, uh, monies, friends, relationships, yeah, yeah. all that. I, I, it, it, it would always dissolve, and I kept trying to blame it on where I lived, you know, demographics, mm -hmm. you know, or people, places, and things. I blamed it on them, and. The first time I went into recovery, I went into treatment, and that was the first time that I took a look at myself because I had a counselor right. that told me that I needed to look at me and mm -hmm. find out, you know, just who I am or what I do. And I took a look at me, man, and um, I didn't like what I saw. Right. So while I was in the program, I acted as if, mm -hmm. and even knowing I didn't like who I was, I just... I, I did the program because I committed myself to the program. No sooner than I was out the program, man, maybe a week two, mm -hmm. you know, I was back at it. Right. Back at, you know, and, right. And, and it went on and went on and went on and went on, man. And, um, you know, I back and forth was in treatment, and recovery was a major part of my story, all because I wouldn't take this suggestion to look at Rodney and to deal with Rodney. And it came to a point where I had to take a look at me. Right. Because I had nothing else. Right. You know, and by choice, I step on the streets, I step in shelters, man, mm -hmm. uh, on a constant basis, just because I didn't want nobody to tell me, hey, man, 
you need to take a look at your drinking. You need to take a look at this. Because mm-hmm. I just wanted to do what Rodney wanted to do and, and kept bending the wrist. And um, around about 2009, well, around about 2002, I got into a program again. And this program, um, I, I had another counselor that saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And they worked with me, and 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 faith have it like it did. I start to understand what they were saying, and I start to look at me, and I start to say, "Well, I don't have to do that no more." And so I started working on men. I started working the twelve-step program, and and I I felt the relief, you know. So so I kept engaging, and I kept feeling the relief, mm-hmm. and. And that took me for like five years, cause in the twelve step program, the the the, the facilitator said, "Well, look, Mr. Ron, you take group today." And when he allowed me to take the group today, man, that gave me, man, I was like, "Wow," you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I went on with it, and and everything coincided with what the group was all about, and I enjoyed that. So that was that engagement that day gave me more power mm-hmm. to to try to stay clean and sober. But the disease being what it be. Yes. Man, the disease is something. Because it'll come at you in so many different areas. Right. Man. And it did. Mm-hmm. And came back in so many different areas, man. But in the time, I was able to put five years together during that time, man. And that was the best, one of the best five years I had. And then... um Jails is a part of my story as well. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, just for drunk and disorderly and one stuff and other like that, man. And um, the last time that I, I visit the local jail um, was the last time I took a drink or smoked a cigarette. And that's been 10 years ago. Congratulations. And um, every day that I wake up, I thank God yes. for giving me a shot again, man, because he didn't have to do it. And I have a sponsor and I have a network of people, man, that really have my best interests at heart. You know, and I had to find them because they were already there. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know how to engage. Right. So once I learned how to engage, then that's how the network started. And and day by day, man, I, I, I'm so grateful, man, that I've been able to put 10 years together one day at a time, man. And my biggest, my biggest charity was being able to give back. Right. Because I started working in treatment centers Mm -hmm. and I started giving back and and I was able to help one or two people here. I I never want, never was a mass. Just if I just did one. Yes. And and that's what kept me going back, man, because I was able to help one person. And so today I say I'll help somebody today. And it's the same thing I do when I go to work. That's so right. I'm going to work today. Mm-hmm. They say, how you doing today, Mr. Brown? I say, I'm doing fine. I'm going to help somebody save their life today. And that's what I do, man. I try to help somebody understand that I was where you are. But if we take this thing one day at a time, even one minute at a time, you can get where I'm at, right. and then you can look back, and then you can pull somebody else up with you. Wow, fantastic. Now, what did you learn about yourself in that process? You know, I, I, I learned that I was running from 
me. Yeah, running from self. Running from self, man. You know, um, because I wanted everything somebody else had. But all in all, I had everything, everything I you needed, needed man. Within. Within yes, me, man. You know what I'm saying? And it took me a long time to learn that, man. And when I look back on it, man, I'm so grateful. You know, and I, 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 I bless her soul and I thank my mother. You know, because she raised seven of us, man. And she gave each of us, man, you know, the opportunity. And whatever she had, she showed us how to make it. Yes. So when we decide to go around the corner, and she mm -hmm. says, don't go around the corner, but we won't sneak and peep. And yeah, that's, that's part of our nature. Yes. Part of our nature. Yes. So, you know, and, that, and that's how it was, man. I just learned that, you know, I, I could be better than I was. So I started dressing a little nicer. I started calling people by their names. Mm -hmm. I, I started using my name instead of nicknames right. and one stuff right. or another like that. Um, uh, I started getting an education again. I started going back to classes. I took a few classes at the Community College of Baltimore. Um, but all during life, man, I've always had the the idea that I could be. Mm -hmm. And just for the day, I am. I'm a good individual. I don't drink a drug. I thank God for what he has given me, mm -hmm. and I thank him for the life that I lived. So if I if he does nothing else for me, I'm grateful for what he just done for me. Wow, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Now, one more question in closing. What advice would you have for someone who's struggling with addiction right now? It, it, it's, we have to first understand that there is a problem. Mm -hmm. And and in order to do that, we, we're going to have to step out the picture. We're going to have to step out. And the only way to do that, and, 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 and I'm saying this for the newcomer, right. is you have to find someone who has your best interests at heart, someone who cares about you and will help you with your dilemma. And, and I, I offer treatment which is first, because we have to detox the person. Yes. So, I, you know, I tell them to go in and get a detox, and once you get detox, you know, you begin to see a moment of clarity. Exactly. And with that moment of clarity, then I try to tell them to find a network of people, find a sponsor, just somebody that will believe in you, somebody that you can bounce stuff off. Because doing, doing detox in your first couple days in recovery, there's a lot of things that you want to know and want to do, and you don't know whether or not to do them. It took me almost two hours to make a decision to eat something at the Inner Harbor when I first got clean, man. Mm -hmm. So I know that when you get clean, it's confusing for some folks because right. they don't know if this is right or sometimes they think, well, I'm so used to holding my money till I get uptown mm -hmm. and, and I'm hungry. So once you start to engage with people and find a network of people that, that, that have your best interest, then you can run it past them. And they and nine out of ten times they're gonna give you the best advice. Wow. Thank you, Rodney. Yes, sir. I want to thank Rodney James for sharing his story on this episode of One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore. I wish to thank you for listening. I'm Theo Hill, and let's talk again.